Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us on our 117th episode of the podcast where you get a chance to talk to Coach Eric Borba. Borbs is the head coach at Orange Lutheran, California, Orange County. Coach, or, coach at, has been the coach at Orange uh, for the last 15 years. Uh, most recently in 2022, he had a first-rounder, Mike Romero. Uh, they've won, have the record for the most consecutive USA Baseball High School Invitational titles. They won three consecutive ones, along with their four conference championships at Olu. Uh, before his time at Orange, he was at De La Salle. Got the coach there from 2004 to 2008. During that, uh, that time is when the streak had ended. Uh, from De La Salle football program, and we talked, touched base about that and what he learned from Coach Lassiter and, and just those different lessons and kind of kind of how he is today uh, based on what he kind of saw from that program of excellence at De La Salle. Um, got to start at Annalee High School. He started in 1999, and after taking over 99, he won a CIF championship in 2000. Um, beyond that, you know, he's a lifelong, uh, been a long time uh, USA Baseball member, most recently, he was on the 18U national staff and has been on and served with USA Baseball for a, a number of different roles. Uh, Coach Borbs just has a tremendous reputation for being an incredible person, uh, mentor, just does it right, uh, and a lot of friends in the game, and very respected. And we just had a, an unbelievable conversation, uh, went a bunch of different ways. And like I said, from his time at De La Salle, lessons learned there and how he has become this relationship-driven coach. And unique part of it is we talked about the relationship not just only with the players, but also with the parents and just how that has changed. You hear a lot about controlling what we can control, and this is how the game is, and we adjust and we adapt to how things are. And um, he has not only done team-building activities, and those are important within his team, but also within his, within his parents and making time for that and essentially just keeping people up to date and communicating and, and keeping those lines of communication open. Uh, some great advice um, just for the parent, for the coach, for the player, um, but also for us as coaches when we are dads as well. We, we touch base into that and how um, you know our most important role you know, as we continue to not only do what we love in baseball but also be good dads. He gets a little insight because he is his, his son will be graduating this spring. And so we touched base about that and just the challenges and the great things he's been able to do with his, his son as long as having a relationship with his daughter. And just a, a great conversation. Just really enjoyed it. Um, can't thank him enough. Just I can't thank, without going, I just can't thank our sponsors, Netting Pros. Netting Pros are improving f- programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in design, fabrication, installation of custom netting for backstops, batting, cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and d- install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. So Coach Borbs uh, and Netting Pros, those guys just do it right. So uh, continue to be thankful uh, for them. And thank you, Coach Borbs. And among the other uh, great coaches we've had, he definitely ranks up there. Um, and is uh, very well respected. And we just have a, a great conversation from all the things he's doing 
specifically to create a brotherhood and create his program. Uh, and then I still understanding the differences like and feels of USA baseball and what we're doing with what's he's doing with USA baseball. Um, and bringing those lessons to differences between all those things. So again, coach boys can't thank you enough, man. And without further ado, enjoy it and have fun and, um, Appreciate you guys. So here he is, head coach at Orange Lutheran, Coach Eric Borba. You know, it, it was great. Um, I mean, you're definitely second fiddle, you know, to football up there. So that was a little bit of a challenge. I mean, our, our outfield was used for a parking lot for the football games. So that, <laughs> that was a battle. But, I mean, I was there, you know, when they lost the streak. If you watch that movie – they had won, uh, whatever, 151 in a row, I think it was. And uh, so my second year at De La Salle was when they lost the streak. And I actually was up at the game. They lost up in Seattle. They played in the Seahawks stadium up there mm. um, and got beat by Bellevue, Washington. And uh, it was like the end of the world, man. It, mm. You know, on campus for about three weeks, it was just like, I don't know. It was, it was like the principal or the, you know, the priest at the school had passed away and it was awkward, but I mean, those guys, Latticer, Bob Latticer, if you've, if you know much about it, he's the greatest coach in any sport at any level, if you ask me. So just being around him a little bit, I wasn't on campus as a teacher. I was teaching at a junior high, so I wasn't with him as much as I would have liked, but still just being around that program and the way they did things, it was uh, pretty special. So I think that probably has as much of an impact on my coaching career as as anything else, more on the relational um, pieces with kids and, and, you know, just how to go about things. Is that what the biggest thing you took away from him? Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, just, it was like every time you had a conversation, whether it was two minutes long or 20 minutes long, you felt like you got smarter being next to him, you know, and became a better coach. And, uh, it was just impressive from the first day I went to Orange. Uh, I keep saying Orange. When I went to De La Salle the first time for my interview, um, it's kind of a long story I won't get into, but I ended up having an interview with just the athletic director on a Saturday morning at like nine o'clock because they basically forgot to interview me. At <laughs> <laughs> the time, and he called me. He's like, shoot. I think they probably didn't find anybody they wanted. And, and uh, you know, God thing ends up calling me. I drive down there on a Saturday morning, 9 a.m. And it's like the middle of summer and there's eight offensive linemen hitting the sled out on the football field by themselves. No coach around, nothing. Wow. I thought, man, this place is different. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, no, but it was, it was pretty awesome coaching there. Wow, when that man. movie was filmed, the, the one, uh, the Hollywood, there's a couple of them, but the one that was more of the Hollywood style film, that was all, all that stuff took place while I was there. A, lot of, it, tall? a lot of it was fake, but, um, you know, the, the overall story was, was pretty accurate. So it was, it was a good time. Yeah, I bet. Bet you there's a lot. Did you like, would you ever just uh, watch practice? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'd watch them in the weight room. I mean, it was, it was just the, dis the amount of discipline, you know, the brotherhood, the team unity, that kind of stuff is just, uh, it was second to none. And uh, yeah, no. So, I mean, it, it was huge. I, I learned more. And that was before I went to, I mean, I didn't go to ABCA. I didn't mm -hmm. get on podcasts. I didn't do anything other right. than what I knew for coaching back. You know, that was 2003, four. I got hired there in, in the summer of 03. So, um, 
you know, that was only real other than reading books and, and whatnot was the really only, you know, true, I guess, thing that I had to learn from. Well, like good for you, even like wanting to go to learn. Like, so like, and then, so like there are things that, that he did that you took away and you implemented into your program. Yeah. I mean, I think just the way that he, the way, like I said, the discipline piece of it, not from like a harsh discipline, but just from the daily expectation. Oh, okay. Like the discipline in the kids and structure, right. And, and being on time and being prompt to practice to the way they dress and the way they handle themselves to, you know, he'd be, beat the living pulp out of them, you know, in the weight room or conditioning. And every one of them was coming up, shaking his hand, saying, thank you at the end of it, you know, mm. just that kind of stuff. And I think that, you know, the, the whole focus on process over outcome was really um, the piece that I learned more, uh, you know, uh, growing up, I was the most competitive guy in the world. And, and I, when I lost, it didn't matter what I lost at. I was throwing a fit, you know, right. I, I'd throw remote controls playing video games or I'd yep. punch the holes in the wall. You know, I'd cry when the Dodgers lose when I was little, you know, cause that's a big Dodger. <laughs> I just, I hate losing. And, uh, you know, I think when, when you hate losing, if you don't understand that, you know, um, you have to focus on the process more than the outcome. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot tougher. It made coaching a lot better focus on the day-to-day things than just the overall big picture. Cause there's a lot more wins, right. Um, in the, in the little battles, which, which is important. Every, and I love that. So like, um, I guess you, I guess you would have an in-depth look at this. Like when he talked about, uh, the perfect effort. Yep. That was his thing. Like you've yeah. heard him say that those things, that was his thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. I mean, you know, his whole thing was effort and, and he got it out of those kids, but a lot, you know, and then the brotherhood that he, he created through team dinners and, and they had accountability cards and, and that kind of stuff, you know, that just, just amazing. You could see, you could see the love that his players truly had for each other. Um, and again, I think, you know, now looking back, like that's the ultimate thing as a high school coach we're, we're looking for is creating, you know, men that are going to be successful as fathers and husbands. And back before I started at De La Salle, it wasn't, that wasn't my focus. You know, my focus was winning baseball games and how could I win a CIF title or win a state championship and get a ring. That was, that was all that mattered. And, uh, you know, when you invest in people, I think this goes for anything, not just baseball coaching. When you invest in people, there's a lot more return on your investment. And uh, so that it really shifted my focus on coaching. And I think the five years I was at De La Salle, like, you know, shifted that. But I was trying to kind of shift gears mid-race, if you will. Yeah. Because it was all being, you know, I, I was learning it all as I was there. And uh, when I came to Orange Lutheran in 2008, I was able to really start from scratch with all those pieces and it's really helped us i think to become where we're at yeah because you like talked about like his accountability cards and things like that like what piece like have you made because we all have to make it like our own like how have you created that brotherhood or that accountability within your program yeah the team building stuff the stuff that we do off the field is just uh you know everything from a retreat that we do and and the bible study stuff we do team dinners we do community service events you know 
that stuff is so much more important than actually the, the, the game piece. And I think that the relationships are built there. And that's when you really create that brotherhood. Because these guys get to know each other off the field, right? For whatever reason, and today, especially with today's youth, like when you're on the field, you don't get the true identity of kids. You know, it's all competitive. It's, it's you know, about the scholarship and these ratings or, you know, this is the attention I'm getting. These are the colleges that are calling me, whatever it might be. It becomes very external focused. And when you do the community service, team building um, events, even the devotions we do on campus, you know, we have the director of fellowship of Christian athletes here in Orange County is, you know, now on my staff. So every Wednesday we have a little Bible study devotion, we call them, um, you know, that's where you really get to know people. Last year, we went on a, uh, a retreat up to the mountains, you know, and found out actually one of our kids was contemplating suicide, you know, where mm. if you're just on the field. I mean, y- you don't see that. And so, again, when you really talk about relationships, that's that's where you build them. And they get to see me off the field. Right. As a coach, right. I'm still the most competitive guy there. And winning when we're, you know, between the foul lines there in the dugout, winning is the most important thing for those two and a half hours or whatever it is. You know, but outside of it, that's that's not ever in the conversation. I think, you know, going back to De La Salle, like Lattiser would never talk about winning and he would never talk about championships ever. You never heard those words come out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, it was if anything, it was win the day kind of a mentality more than anything. But you never heard him talk about winning games or winning championships. And, and look at that and look what he did. <laughs> yeah, just it- impressive, you know. And still to this, to this day, I'm in awe. I mean, I'm still friends, you know, Justin Allenbaugh was a good friend of mine. Who's the head coach there now. He was on staff. He played there, but uh, he and I actually did a fantasy football team together. Uh, but he, uh, he still has it, you know, the, they just can't compete from an athletic standpoint anymore um, with the number of athletes that St. John Bosco and modern day are getting nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they can't compete, but they still, if you went on, you know, if you walked on the campus of De La Salle in the early 2000s and just looked at the physicality of their kids, the athleticism and stuff, and then you went to, you know, the modern day, it's not even comparable. I mean, yeah. You know, what they got out of those kids was amazing. And and I think the offensive line play, the cohesiveness and, and timing, and just, again, the discipline of the offensive line set the tone for that whole thing. Yeah, well, but again, it's 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 also the environment that they created. Like you said, you walked on campus and saw those eight guys working by themselves with no coach. Like that's an environment that they had also created, you know. Which is like, you know, I've seen the videos you guys put out. Like you guys, like you guys are creating an environment of like kids working and then hopefully work, you know, getting extra than what you can give them just in practice. Right. Well, I think the you know the biggest question that we ask you know, of our players and, and the biggest question they can answer themselves at the end of the day and every day is, can we rely on you? You know, that's the biggest thing we say, can your teammates rely on you? Can the coaches rely on you? Can you rely on the coaches? Like, and what does that mean? Right. It means that, you know, you're taking care of the things you can take care of on your own, but at the same time, we're, we're helping each other to, to handle those things, you know, to, with the accountability piece to make sure we're making better decisions. But you know, can I rely on you, whether it's, hey, I need to call you because I'm dealing with something and have a shoulder to talk to, you know, to cry on or an ear to talk to, or can I rely on you to give us every effort in this at bat to get a bunt down, you know, whatever it might be, can we rely on you? 
can we rely on you over this Christmas holidays to be taking care of your body, taking care of your arm, being in the cage, whatever it might be, so that when you come back in January, we're not, you know, missing a step because we can't be there to hold your hand outside of this arena where we're at practice or on the, you know, at campus, on campus together. So. Mm, that's good. Yeah, it's. So that's what we try to create. I mean, I, you know, it's still always a work in progress, but, you, but that's that's the biggest thing when you can get high. And I think at this age, it's it's so much more important, you know, um, and understanding that you're playing for a bigger cause and by a bigger cause. You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot invested in in what you're doing, but in what each other's doing. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people from the booster committee raising money just to allow us to be able to do what we're doing that, you know, we have there's some ownership there that you got to take some ownership and, and, you know, just doing your part and doing your part to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, as you continue to grow this thing, uh, I know you've had a pretty consistent staff, right? Your staff I have for the most part. Yeah. You know, I think you talked with RJ Farrell. Yeah. Um, RJ. So RJ was with me. I hired RJ in, 2006, I believe, at De La Salle. Yeah. And he coached with me there for three years. And then when I came to Orange Lutheran, he actually stayed in Northern California. Um, and then he came and he ended up moving down like my fourth, 2012, he coached with me again. So my first year, my first season was 2009. So my fourth season at Orange Lutheran, he came back. And then he actually took a head coaching job uh, at Rancho Cucamonga. And then he came back with me in 2019. So, but you know, we've been best friends for 15 years now. I married him and his wife. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, you know, so that that part. And then, yeah, I have most of my coaching staff has been with me for quite a while. It's 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 low turnover. Uh, I my beginning years at, at Orange Lutheran was a, that staff was a little different than what now, but I had them for five or six years, and then now these guys have all been with me for seven or eight, um, for the most part, which yeah. makes it nice. It's yeah. yeah, for sure. Cause I, like the reason I was wondering is just like through all these things that you're doing, because essentially like these are even for a coach, this is not this is extra beyond the time what you're saying, like Bible studies and what you're doing there, like you know, having guys invested into that also as well and being, you know, a kind of on the same board with that, you know, and it seems like that's where your guys still also believe that because they've been with you. Right, right. Now it's I think that's important in any coaching staff, right? Having the stability it just makes it so much nicer. I mean, I guess it's like a middle infield playing together, you know, yeah. they, just, they understand when and where they're going to be there, the communication piece, everything else. So the more coaches you have, it's easier because you're not spending, you know, a lot of time in that exploratory, in those exploratory stages, right. The feeling out, out period where, Hey, how are we going to do things? Why are we doing things? And then being on the same page. So yeah, it's, it's nice to know that now, you know, I can leave like in October and go coach the 18 USA team and be gone for three and a half weeks and not have to worry about the program missing a beat because the coaches, you know, are all on the same page. And it right. Well, let's think about that. Like, and, and that's exactly kind of where I was at, you know, like with your USA baseball stuff, when you talk about like that exploratory phase, like how we're going to do that, like, like they're not really used to that <laughs> so much. And then when you go to USA baseball and you're like, all right, we got this team. We got these guys from all over. Like, like how it like how 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 has that been for you that exploratory phase within USA baseball? Yeah, you know, I think I think they're different. And and why I say that is the one thing you have when you put on that those 
put those three letters on your chest is everybody knows the what the goal is, right? Yeah. There's only one goal for each and every one of those kids, and that's to bring home a gold medal. Um, I think when you talk about high school baseball, there's different goals, you know, some kids sure. want to be drafted, some kids want to, you know, so it definitely helps because you don't have a long time to, to prepare them, right? You're taking, I mean, we had kids, we all met, the 18U group that I went to Mexico with, we met in Arizona the first time the, the group was together was on a Friday and we left for Mexico on Tuesday. Whoa. Um, and then started playing games on Wednesday. Whoa. And, you know, so we were together as a group for, I want to say 19 days total. Um, and because of the dynamic of the team this year, we had 17 and 18 year olds. I had never even seen about half of the kids play, you know, several guys on our staff hadn't seen any of them play. I mean, we, we really relied on a lot of the USA staff to help select that team. Um, I had seen all the 2023s just because I had kind of followed my son who was at PDP and at 18U trials. So I had gone with him and seen most of those kids, but the 24s and even the couple 25s, I had never seen them. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. So I think when you get there though, everybody's kind of got, Hey, this is all about winning. And it's, it's such an exclusive category or ex exclusive, you know, uh, group to be a part of that a lot of those obstacles we deal with as a high school coach are already be, you're already beyond those. Sure. Right? So um, it's a lot easier to get those kids to buy in, but yeah, it's, it's completely different, but still at the same time, there's still that feeling out phase, you know, mm -hmm. there really is. So it's a lot of time together, you know, um, you're in a hotel together, you're staying together, you're eating meals together. So I think that process is sped up there too, but um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's just such an honor for every one of the coaches, every one of the players, even the staff members to be, a part of a group like that. And so, you know, you don't, you almost don't have time for guys to not be in the right place. If, sure. that, if that makes sense, you know, yeah. there's not enough time for that. And, and, uh, everybody's there, you know, for a common goal and it, and it, and it makes it a lot easier, but it is, it is tough. I mean, you know, we, especially when you're playing countries that have been together all year, you know, we played Canada and they had trained for two weeks in the Dominican Republic and they had been at home. I mean, they had traveled basically together all, all year. And, uh, you know, so, so that's probably the tougher part is more the, the on the field stuff than the off the field stuff. It's I mean, it is. I got the kids Friday and you played Wednesday, you know, like from signs of situations, even like I said, even like coaches, like making decisions, like who's making decisions here. And like, I guess as the manager, like, you know, letting this guy just make all the pitching changes, you kind of call pitches, how you relay the pitches, you know, like there's just a lot of, like you said, yeah. in the in game stuff. Yeah. And we had a great staff. I mean, you know, Denny Hawking was a manager. I was able to work with Denny and Brad Penny was our pitching coach calling pitches. And then we had James Cooper who coached first base and did the outfielders and base running. Like he's a, you know, minor league base running coordinator and outfield coordinator for the Yankees. You know, just some experienced guys that have been there and it made it really fun. Not bad. That's <laughs> always nice. Yeah. Always nice. Uh, work with some good people. That's for sure. Yeah, no question. Uh, that's awesome. So, like, um, what uh, – I'm just thinking about, like, your USA Baseball experience and, like, your high school and, like, um, you know, um, being able to, to – to, to, like you said, you've seen a lot of the guys, like, being at, a, like, a high level where it doesn't um, kind of 
I want to say overwhelm you as much, you know, like when you're with you, because you said you've kind of seen those guys. It's like um, the, the your adaptations, I guess you can say to both. Because like I said, in baseball, it's such like you have a feel, right? Like that's a right. it's a baseball term that you don't hear much in sports. But like, how's your feel like between like when you go back and forth between both of them, you know, where you might have to like when you go back to OU, it's like uh, – not you're teaching more or you're like developing more like one that's in USA. Like you just, the, how do you, you're, how are you balancing and how you feel between the two of those? Yeah. You know, um, again, probably completely different. I think when you go to USA, there's a lot of uh, similarities and it's, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a different focus. You know, it's, it's pretty much routine year after year and what you're doing. Obviously there's small, adjustments that you make or things that you learn from a from a previous you know things that I learned in 2016 as a manager of the 12 used to to now where I'm at coaching the USA stuff but overall um, there's not as big a change where when you go to high school you know we just graduated 10 division one players last year um, you know and a first rounder so mm. we have three starters back at Orange Lutheran this year so going into this fall you know it's, it's completely different than what it was going into the previous fall where we had basically the whole team returning. Um, so there's a lot more in that discovery phase this year, you know, so you're, you're working harder to build relationships, but you're also having a lot more time spent on, you know, installment, if you will, how we do things and why we do things. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, you constantly have to adapt that and, and knowing your personnel and what kind of a team you're going to be. Right. We're not going to be the same team last year when we roll out, you know, the, I don't know, eight division one guys in the lineup, whatever it was, where you just sit back and bang. And now this year we're going to have to manufacture some runs. And how are we going to go about doing that? So, you know, each year it's kind of a sit down with your coaching staff, sit down, number one, individually reflect on, OK, what do we learn from this year? What things can we take from this year to implement in the next year? But then sitting with your coaching staff and saying, okay, this is, you know, what are your ideas for next year? This is kind of the client, the, the, you know, the, the group that we're going to have, what are we going to have to do to be successful, both from a teaching standpoint and then from an actual performance standpoint and how are we going to get there? Right. And that's, that's the, the greatest thing about being a high school coach is, is that piece has to change. You know um, I think there's years where we're a, you know, small ball bunt and run team. And there's years like last year, where we just kind of sat back and swung it. I mean, we, you know, we had a first rounder at shortstop and we had, you know, um, a potential first rounder in center fielder and Derek Curiel, you know, Mikey at shortstop, you had Casey, uh, you know, at third, but you had a lineup, you know, there's two guys that are potentially starting at TCU this year as true, mm -hmm. you know, so it was uh, a pretty special group last year, but we, there's not too many, too many times you can do that. Right. You know, so um, I think establishing those things that are going to be continual or repetitive or traditional, you know, that every year this is kind of going to be our focus, but this is how we're going to get there. And so that's I think the adaptability is huge, especially in high school. Like, uh, you know, USA, I'd say more it's more on the on the personality side than the talent side, because you're always going to have the talent. Right. So so the adaptability there becomes more non-physical it's more relationship building as far as how am i going to work with these guys that i don't oh. really know in a short period of time and how are we going to make it work having a guy that's able to talk and like communicate with someone is more important than actually what 
they have to like kind of develop. Right. Yeah. No question. Cause you're not, I mean, the bottom line is at USA, you're not going to develop much. Correct. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm you're not, not gonna... changing the mechanics. You're not doing yeah. that. It's just how can we get on the same page quicker? Can I have more, uh, yeah, like you said, personality driven. It's was just, especially more of a connection, you know, like, yeah. well, well, I think as a, you know, as a coach or a manager in business, right, your your ultimate goal is to get that machine or that person to produce as much as possible, right? We want ultimate production. And so at the high school level, that's developed over time and building relationships, find out what makes guys tick. And and really, you can kind of mold that, especially when you get them as freshmen and, and grow them um, and kind of, you know, it. it, it it's like a nursery when you plant objects, you know, or you go to the store and buy something like you can kind of do, you know, from the beginning, what you, you need to do with a certain player in a high school coach in USA. Yeah. You, you don't have that time. You know, it's, Hey, this is, this is the the hand you're dealt and it's a really good hand, but how are you going to maximize that hand? Right. Um, and so it's just a different focus, but I think it all comes back to, you know, planning and it, it comes back to planning and, and, and teamwork. It really does because you have a whole staff that's trying to accomplish those things and you have to maximize the production of your staff as well to help, help, I, I, uh, you know, to, to reach your goal. Mm-hmm. And you're saying those things get sped up with like the constant, you're just around everyone. Like, yeah, you said, yo, you are there Friday, you play a game Wednesday, but it's like you guys are surrounded by each other from Friday to Wednesday. Right. right. Is that what I was doing? Yeah. I mean, you're in the same hotel, you're eating breakfast, lunch, dinner together, you know, practice mm-hmm. in the morning, game in the afternoon kind of a thing. So it's, it's all day, every day. Right. When high school, you know, you have to manufacture those times, you yes. know, schedule the team dinners, you know, I mean, yeah, the kids get to see each other on campus, things like that, but you know, you're doing these things as a full team and. Yeah. Whatever. It's uh, you know, the, I think to truly build relationships, you have to, to know people deeper than just what they do on a field or in a, in a, in an arena, whatever that might be. Right. Like, and I don't think when you're just on a field coaching, you always get to know those kids and see what, you know, the roots are right. Where did they come from and and what kinds of things are they dealing with? Because especially in this day and age, the stuff these kids are dealing with is it's crazy, you know, and, and you never know what's going on. They've, they've actually become really, really good at hiding a lot of things you know, externally because of the, you know, the fear, the fears that are involved with, with knowing, you know, or kind of exposing your weaknesses, right? Nobody wants to expose any weaknesses. And so they've become, kids have become really good at hiding things. And, and uh, when you, when you spend more time with them off the field, build those relationships and, and do the team building type events, you do the devotions, you really open up the, you know, the air, for kids to to trust and and ultimately again it's it's building trust. Mm. I mean, that's what you got to do. Everything's about trust. And, and so the things that you do, the retreat, the Bible says, all of those. You essentially what you're trying to do to build trust. Like that's how you're intentional about trying to build trust. Beyond like, I would imagine like the conversations you just had, maybe the text message that you send and things like that. Yeah, I mean that's it. It's all building trust. You know, we all have to be able to trust each other. The more we trust each other, then the, the more we're willing to like open up and leave everything out on the field for you. You know, when you're in the batter's box and you feel like you're letting 25 people down, if you don't do your job, 
or you're doing it for 25 people. It's a lot more than just doing it for your ones for yourself, right? The pressures are completely different. And knowing that if you're not successful in that situation, you got 25 people that know you gave it everything you had and that have your back and understand we're not going to be perfect. Doing it for 25. I like that. You just like just even just changing that word, doing it for them, not just for right. yourself. That's a, that's a good, it's a good saying. It's a good language. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I, I would love to talk, dive into like uh, like just some, some some details about the retreat. The retreat soon sounds like really awesome. So, is this something that is that a fall thing? Like when you first get the guys, is it like a maybe a winter thing before you start the spring? Uh, you know, booster stuff. Like how much? Like is that fundraised money? Is it money set as like just like how do how are you able to pull something that like I like that off? Yeah. Um, so we typically do it in the winter. Um, the reason, the reason being in the fall, we're still trying to identify our team. We're still evaluating. We don't have our roster. Um, typically we don't have our roster in California. We can practice year round. So we use the fall as an evaluation period and we might run through 45 or 50 guys. If you can imagine a college kind of atmosphere in the fall, we have a lot of guys. And so we finalize our varsity roster, um, generally around Thanksgiving, um, you know, there could be some flux and kids go up and down throughout the season. But for the most part, that core is is around Thanksgiving. We finish with a tournament um, down in Palm Desert um, to kind of end the fall. There's like 64 teams down there. And then typically we have finals before Christmas break and we'll do our retreat sometime at, over the Christmas break period. We typically try to go right after the finals. So last year we we, we finished finals on a on a Friday. We got on a bus right after their last final and went up to the mountains about an hour and a half drive um, from where we're at, you know, and there's a retreat center up there. So that I've used this several times um, with cabins. So all the kids are in, they were in two cabin, two big cabins uh, with just bunk beds. Uh, and then the coaches had a different cabin with bunk beds. Uh, and we're up there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So the planning, yeah, every year, you know, back, when I first started doing the retreats, I actually had parents just kind of pay for it. We were able to generate some funds just through individual parents kind of privately. Okay. You know, I'd go to the parents who were willing to support and I'd say, Hey, I'd love to do this retreat. It's not in the budget. Now we, we budget. So every year I just budget roughly $5,000, uh, okay. you know, to do a team retreat. And then if there's a, an additional cost, you know, I'll either cover it or maybe I'll go to a couple of, of boosters just depends. Um, so we'll go up, um, uh, we'll do, you know, team meeting kind of things, talk about goals for the year, talk about leadership, um, talk about the, the internal hurdles we have to overcome and how we're going to, how we're going to go about that. Um, and then we do, uh, different activities. So we do last year, we did the low ropes element in the morning on Saturday. Oh. And then we did a high ropes element in the afternoon, which is, is really cool getting guys to overcome fears and really worked, you know, in supporting each other because you got guys climbing 60 feet up a pole and jumping off, you know, and their, their lives are in their hands of their teammate in essence, right. holding, holding the, you know, the rope kind of thing. And, uh, so you see a lot, you see a lot in that. And then, you know, Sunday morning. So we went back, did a nice barbecue dinner. Well, we have dinner. They have dinner for us. Then we had like a bonfire 
at night and then, you know, woke up Sunday morning and we did a, a chapel service and, and did one more small activity and then headed home Sunday afternoon. So I try to vary the, the retreat just because I think it, 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 a lot of guys did that retreat last year. So I want to do something. Sure. Different. Yeah. Um, this year we actually, um, had something fall through with our retreat. So we haven't done it yet. We're putting it together now. We were supposed to go down to San Diego in a couple of weeks and, and, um, spend some time. We actually Airbnb'd a large house that all the boys can stay at, believe it or not. So we get 35 of us in one wow. house, um, with sleeping bags and stuff and talk to the owner. And we did it, we did it, I don't know, six or seven years ago, probably, um, at the same house. Uh, and we stay there for the weekend. We're actually playing that, that weekend as well. We were, <laughs> the, the whole thing fell through, but, uh, you know, so we would do different things there. There's a, um, we did what a dragon boat type um, thing where the kids got to learn how to row together to get, you know, row the boat That's... at the same time, kind of like a coach of Minnesota football, you know, like, heck yeah. Um, so we, we just do different, different team building activities. And I try to bring a third party in to, to do it. So it's not just me or the coaching staff, you know, uh, that they hear every single day. So, so that's just a separate, that's a separate, or is that just another type of retreat that you done? That's a different type of retreat. So, you know, we'll, we'll identify what we want to do. Again, um, kind of that adaptability of like, Hey, here's where we're at. This is what we need to do. Yeah. And the schedule depend. you know, sure. helps determine some of that. Like this year, we're just not going to get an overnight, like a getaway. We might be able to, we might, um, as we're putting it together, we might just do like sleeping bags at school or something in the gym. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, our football program has done that in the past. And well, that's cool. Yeah. So it's a neat Basically, experience that not many people get to do. And it's not finalized yet. So we're mm -hmm. putting it together. That's but definitely I think it's important. And all of our kids ask, you know, when's the retreat? What are we doing? Like, mm -hmm. so it might just be going down to the beach and doing a campfire one night, you know, and, and cool. hanging out, playing wiffle ball kind of thing. They're going right, man. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I just, uh, just, just curious, you know, a lot of people just kind of spin their wheels, especially right now, this time of year, you know, guys are spinning their wheels about different things. And, um, you know, that's a great, something great to maybe hopefully something there just kind of sparked something. I know for me and, you know, the travel, the travel area, I think there's different ways that I'm trying that those are the challenges for us, you know, and trying to run more than just the travel team that shows up, you know, and giving them more value right. um, and just trying to find that. And, uh, you know, I think that's cause it's, it is important, you know, and uh, I just, I just, I just love, I love that. And like you said, at first it was just like, look, it's going to cost us this. And we just kind of split it all up. And then now it's budgeted. We've now fundraised enough for it. We got it to there. So when people find value in it, what I'm hearing is like people find that now they're asking about it. So of course it's budgeted and people know there's a lot of value. It's, it's good. And, and, and it's, it's not hard for you to be able to find five, $5,000, which I thought it'd be more, uh, more than that. Um, but that's great. Yeah, no, I, you know, typically those cabins, the, you can probably get them for, they charge us three, $400 a night for a cabin that gets, you know, 15 kids in it. So yeah, that's awesome. you're talking a thousand dollars just in the cabins. And then, you know, it's about a hundred bucks a kid for the, the ropes element and stuff. And, you know, so about $5,000 is, it's, it's usually in the, in the vicinity. It's pretty close to that for our cool. retreats. Yeah. It's good. And, you know, but, but with that, like you were saying, like, you know, the team building stuff that we do with the players, we do with the parents too, you know, and, and I think that that helps with the buy-in. So I do a lot of, you know, 
a lot of high school coaches think I'm nuts because the interaction I have with parents, but I, you know, I pride myself and, and, you know, parents are going to be parents and we're still going to have our issues. I'm not saying that, that, that it's bulletproof, but I think that the more trust you can build through the parents, you know, the more trust you're going to get out of the kids ultimately, because the kids are going home and what the parents say, the kids are doing for the most part. And when the kid, the parents don't believe in the coaching staff, you get, that's when you have your major issues because they're sitting home going to dinner and saying, why'd coach do this or coach should have done that or coaches, you know, this and that, and that trust that we've been working hard to build is lost sure. um, from the first comment. So we, you know, we talk about the importance of that with our parents, but we do, um, you know, I do something called extra innings where we have just parent night once a month at a pizza place, low key. Um, I have a booster committee that I meet with probably twice a month, um, you know, that, that helps kind of be the middleman between the parental group and the coaches they do all the communicating um from us if we need to get something out quick or you know and then if anybody has questions they go to them first which really alleviates a lot of issues from my plate sure. um you know i'd rather hear from five or six people than hear from 75 or 80 mm-hmm. in the program so you know i think that's all a big part of it too because now you know we had for example we had a couple teams bail on us a couple of weeks ago in the spring season and we ended up having to scramble for two games and we have the opportunity to go to Alabama. Adam Mosley at Hoover is nice. a good friend of mine. I called and he's like, Hey, if you need it, you can get two games out here in Alabama. And I was like, ah, it's kind of crazy to fly to Alabama for two games, but we weren't having any luck finding other games. And so I, you know, threw it out to the booster committee. I'm like, Hey, I think this is kind of nuts, but what do you guys think? And they got with all the parents and decided, Hey, we're going to Alabama for two games. So that's well worth it for our kids and being in this program and we'll do whatever it takes from a fundraising standpoint to make it happen. So, you know, we, the fundraising piece is huge. Um, We raise over $200,000 every year and uh, you know, we're close to $250,000 this year. So um, it allows us the ability to do those things. But again, I think it goes back to trust, right? They trust that we're helping to get their kids where they want where they want them to be. And right. w- the parents and the coaches have to be on the same page and pulling that rope the same way at the same time to, to help their kids get to where they want. And I think that's the big thing. So the trust piece through, through, you know, parent involvement is huge in, in our program. Now you said other, so the team building activities that you're doing with the parents, you're talking like the extra inning stuff, like or you just meal once a month. And that is just you. Oh, is it the staff? And the parents just yes. having a meal. Yeah. Is is just- uh, typically we do, we'll mix it up once in a while, but for the most part, we do it at a, a lamppost pizza. Uh, you know, a, a former player, a family that graduated from Orange and played football and baseball, they own it and they uh, they work out a really good deal. So they do like a buffet, a pizza buffet where they have wings, salad, and pizza. Um, and they charge us 10 bucks a person mm. um, for all you can eat. And then, you know, the parents are more than welcome to buy, and that includes a soft drink. But if the parents want beer or wine, you know, they can, they can do that. We want to make it as social as we possibly can. And I think that eases it up a little bit, you know, sure, sure. we're only there for a couple hours. So it's not like guys are pounding the beers, but yeah, you know, I think making it as social as we possibly can. And, you know, we'll do it a lot of times on Monday night. So you have Monday night football going on, on, on the TVs. And then at halftime of the Monday night game, I'll give a little kind of, 
I call it the State of the Union address. Exactly. State of the program. The things that are going on, the things that are coming up, where we're at from a financial standpoint, scheduling updates, whatever it might be. I'm just giving them an update, you know. Um, and again, it just keeps that communication piece. Yep. And, you know, I, I'm I'm very fortunate because I have a freshman coach that's been at Orange Lutheran for 23 years, and he does all my communication from an email standpoint. Um, so anything that needs to go out to the parents, we have the booster committee that can can text out the parents, but then we also send out an email. My freshman coach sends out an email. It's probably, I don't know, has very detailed information, you know, a couple times a week with wow. all the updates. And and so nobody that comes to our program can say they don't, they're not aware of what's going on. Sure. And we have to do that because we don't have a field on campus, you know, so we have transportation issues and everything else too. So that's, that's a big part of it. That's amazing that you guys, as good as you are and you don't have a field on campus. <laughs> <laughs> It makes it tough. We don't, you know, we haven't been on a field practicing since um, before Thanksgiving. So our field, we share with Chapman University. It's called Hart Park. It's a city park here in Orange. And uh, we shut it down the week before Thanksgiving to oversee it and get it ready for the season. And so sure. we won't get on it again until January 10th. Mm. And then, you know, we're limited on our times because we're sharing it with Chapman. So right, it's, uh, you get creative. You know, we're, we're, we're blessed to have cages on campus and, and our softball field is turf there. So we can do some stuff on campus, you know, at times when softball is not around. But, uh, hey, just a, just something you got to deal with. Right. That's like, it. it. Different it, circumstances. We're going to sit and complain about it. Just, you know, we're going to overcome, adapt and overcome. That's that's the way it is. Yeah, it'd be nice to have, be able to walk outside from the from the office and have a have a field right there that we could do anything we want. But. It's not the world we live in. So you learn, you know, you learn people in third world countries are, are generally a lot happier than the people here that have nice cars, nice houses, jobs, the whole thing. Right. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, you, you make, make of it what it is. Absolutely. Well, that's great. You know, it's just, and it's also just how we want the kids to act in a game, you know, like, especially with all the failure and things like that, the adjustments that we want, you know, and those are very relatable things. You know, and, and try to bring it back to the kids. You know, here's why we're doing these things. Here's how we're going to act when adversity hits us. You know, you're seeing 95 and someone throws a split and you, you got to walk back to that dugout. You better pick it back up, buddy. Yep, that's it. You know, one of the best sayings I've ever heard um, actually came from Jake Olson. I don't know if you know who Jake Olson is, but uh, he's a graduate of Orange Lutheran and played football. He's legally blind, both eyes blind, and he played football at USC. First Division One college football player uh, was a long snapper, and now he's a motivational speaker. But, you know, um, the first time I heard him speak, I think he was still in high school or maybe just out. And he said, every setback is a setup. And I have, I have stolen that, man, and I'll give him credit for, for all of it. But it's so true, right? And in baseball, like, yeah, every setback is a setup for something good. And if we can look at look at things that way, man, it minimizes our, our you know, our lower points. And it, it it makes them a lot shorter. That's for sure. You know, there's always something, something worse that we can be in, be dealing with. And there's always some good that's going to come out of this. And, uh, you know, it's going to feel that much better when we get the game winning hit after we strike out with the bases loaded, you know, in the fourth inning, whatever it might be. So, you know, every setback is a setup is, is huge. And I, you know, it goes way beyond coaching for me now using that. hundred percent. It does. Yeah. hundred percent. It does. You know, and then I, and like going back to, 
Like for me, that even thinks about like, well, you talked about the kids hiding things and things like that. You know, these are the messages they need to see, like where like when you do get embarrassed or it comes out, like it's just setting you up for something like to for them to have that kind of skill, you know, or um, way of thinking, the mindset of that, you know, um, hopefully helps, like you said, beyond uh, right. just the game. But again, I think it comes down to what you know, your devotionals and that's when they have to hear it so much outside of the baseball field that they can truly make it a part of how kind of like their coping strategies when all the stuff they're dealing with. No, no question. I mean, baseball is such a, you know, it's, it's funny. I always say it's, it's like two faced, right? Baseball is such a big part of our lives because of the time um, and investment that we have in it, but it's really a small part of who we are. Like, you know, it helps to shape us. It forms us, but it really in the big picture, you know, your baseball career is, is going to be minor compared to what they're going to, they're not going to write on your tombstone that you hit 340. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, so it's so minor when you talk about life. So uh, just the parallels that you can build through baseball and dealing with failure and, and dealing with setbacks is, you know, it's awesome. I mean, it, it really is awesome. And, and I think taking advantage of that as a coach, taking advantage of those opportunities is where we really need to have our focus. And then you, you get that, you know, you get the production, you get the trust and, and ultimately you get the production and then you're going to be more successful and kids want to be part of it. Right. Like, you know, people say we're a private school and the whole recruiting piece and that's always gray area everywhere. And how do you get all these kids, you know, right. and it's like anything else. I mean, how does in and out get the most customers, right? It's the customer service, it's the quality it's, and that's what we're going to focus on. People want to be a part of it, you know? And I think that for any high school coach, you know, any coach for that matter, when you have any. the best product around, right? Look at what Tim Corbin did at Vanderbilt, you know, what Jay Johnson's doing at LSU, like people want to be part of that. Yep. Right. Like, you know, kids want to go there. It doesn't matter that they already have, you know, 24 recruits. Hey, I want to go there too, because of the experience I'm going to get there. Yep. It's an investment in people. I think they're the, the best people. People. Right. That's it. That's <laughs> it. You know, the relational and, and and the ones that are the most successful are those relational people. The ones that have relationships that you know. You walk by Tim Corbin in Nashville, you know, at ABCA next week, and he's probably going to say hello. Mm -hmm. You know, he's that kind of guy. I've been in an elevator with him. You know, he wouldn't remember it from from anything, but you, you know, know, had a had a three or four minute, two or maybe it was a one to two minute conversation, whatever, in the elevator on the right. You know, like. There's a lot of coaches that, that wouldn't do that. So I think being personal, personable and, and, you know, building relationships is, is awesome. And I have a great deal of respect for those guys. Oh, for sure. I mean, cause they're the highest of the levels of, of where, you know, what people aspire to be, especially from a amateur standpoint, you know, before you get the professional baseball, but even, I just feel like even the SEC, like that ranking of coaches and, and jobs are, you know, like those guys could go and coach professionally you know, oh, I no think, question. you know, like Vanderbilt, he just chooses probably not to like Sloss probably just chooses not to, you know, and, and they're just, you know, uh, and you know, coach John, I mean like all of them, you know, so it's such a revere. And then, yeah, but like you said, he'll sit there and say yes. And you'll see him at the front row. You'll see him in the front row of the convention. Um, yeah. so I just think those are, yeah, those are, I think definitely guys that we're pretty fortunate, you know, to, to see, um, and have, but I, it just, how, Cause here's always a challenge. Cause you always have this other side of like where as a younger coach, like you said, you were never, you were, could you be a 21 year old? Like what your first job, could you be 
go into that go into that interview. And you think you said an Anili? Is that how you said it? I said Anili, right? Anili. Anili. Yep. Go into there and you talk about relationships. You talk about not stressing winning. Like, would could you do that as a 21 year old, like as a first year coach, head coach? Like, do you feel I, like I it's, is it, is it part really of the evolution? Tough. I yeah. mean, I, I think it's really tough, right? We don't know anything at that age. We really don't. Yeah. I mean, like, but I obviously, if you've played for a coach or been in a system, where that's the root of everything. I mean, you know, I should, I hired a young coach um, a couple of years ago, you know, that, that uh, worked at, uh, I mean, excuse me, played at Chatsworth under Tom Musborn, who, if you know, Tom, um, you know, longtime California coach, he's now the head coach of Sierra Canyon high school, but he was at Chatsworth and he's been around forever. And probably one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. I mean, I worked with him one USA event. I scouted one game sitting next to him in the press box. And I probably learned more in that game about the actual game than I have, (laughs) you know, in a lot of years put together, Uh, just that kind of a guy. And this coach, I mean, brought a lot of that stuff, you know, to, to our program, Andrew Baslow, you know, as a young guy that doesn't have a ton of experience coaching, had all of that experience being around a coach like that. And I think that, you know, Again, we're products of our environment. So if you're in an environment that preaches that, but I, I, I don't know too many 21-year-olds that are, that are in those kinds of environments. So, yeah, you know, it's like anything else. It's learning on the job when you're a young coach. I mean, I think, you know, you can hear these things. You can listen to podcasts. You can do all your homework, but you still have to have your own stamp on it. And you don't have that at 21 because you still have to formulate your best route, right? Yeah. To get where you want to go. It's always getting, you know, finding the best route to get there. And, and it takes some time, uh, takes some experience to do that. Right. And I just, I just, I, I always, you know, cause it is a message that, um, that I, that I, that I'm fully about, you know, and that I try to, that was a big part of what the podcast was and just me talking like, you know, and this, and the podcast is attracted to certain guys that say that like the same guy that you say you like, ah, I've got, you know, whatever you want to do with the bio, you know what I mean? Like, ah, you know, like it, it just, none of that right. matters, you know, like no one's going to remember that. Like, like that's the kind of message, like that's what this is about, you know, but it's like at the same time, I try to get to like, would we all be like, like, cause I know how, like where I was, like I said, same thing as you, like remember being a 22 year old and I have taught to coach a 19 year olds in Juco. And like, I had to be about my business, like the drills and the organization need to be on point. And it was, that was what it was about. And I was in your face about it. And then where I am now about like, I'd love to be able to put my arm around certain kids that I probably could have did better job of, you know, and Right. Um, even with my brother, you know, like I was coaching my brother at that time when he was a Juco and, and it was, and we didn't have a good relationship, you know, cause I was just fully focused on the, the do the job, right. you know, That's it. and I'm like, gosh, you know, like how, but how could you do like, is this, I think, is it, is it the, just your evolution as a coach? Because at the same time, it's like, we're kind of building our process. You know what I mean? Like where like now, like when I talk to coach Borba, like it's, he talks about his process that has, because people would not trust you because the outcome has been there. Right. You know, I to think see the results. Right. And so we can fully just invest in our process. And this is, that, that is our only focus right here because we have seen that this works. 
Exactly right. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's nearly impossible for a young guy to, to achieve that. But, you know, I, I encourage athletic directors, I encourage to hire young kids, though, because I think that that gives them the time to, to um, you know, develop those things. A lot of the older coaches are, you know, we're, we're set in our ways, whether it's good or bad. We're kind of set and it's a little more difficult to change. Obviously, the growth mindset is huge. And you find coaches that are always going to have a growth mindset and always be willing to change. And if you find one of those, they're, you know, jump on. But there's too many coaches out there that, you know, are set in their ways and they don't make the adjustments where these young guys that are motivated, I think, you know, the youth in, in coaching, you know, it, it's kind of been gone, right? There's not a lot of money in it, especially at the high school level. Um, I think in the collegiate level, there's more, it's more prevalent, but there's not a lot of young kids coaching high school anymore because of the financial burden and the time constraints, right? Like, so, um, the more young guys we can get involved and, and have under us, you know, um, or we can hire to, to, to develop, I think it's going to better our game in the long run. Yeah. And I just, I also feel like with everything going on in terms of the travel, in terms of what people do outside of summer, like the recruiting piece is where, where high school has an opportunity to like, you need to come back to make it. So it's like, this is super important and what it can do where the people, cause if not, like you're going to lose that as well as where you said, like people are also seeing like as a younger, there could be some of that where like, doesn't matter. Like I'm not going to get in high school cause it just, people aren't really caring about it. The people right. who are making these decisions, you right. know, and giving us less games or less money in the budget or making it harder for us to grow a program. Why would I want to go do that? You know, when like this people over here, like they are all about it and like they can see that there's a lot of value in it. Um, because you know, like it's, it's the high school pro like I, that's, that's for me. Like, is like, okay. Being now being able to take a step back, got out of the high school game right before COVID and being able to step back and still, still see like, I want it to be, I'd love it to see it like just be more, uh, more important, like put people more, more importance on it because there's so much more that it's teaching people. Right. You know, but I just feel like the people that be, maybe they're making those decisions. Like maybe they don't even have that philosophy that it's teaching more than what it is. Right. Well, that, you know, there's a lot of obstacles at the high school level there. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. There's a lot of things that are not attractive about it, but I think that, um, the impact that we can have on young men and women um, that are at such a crucial age that's really helping to form who they become as men and women, fathers and, and wives, you know, like fathers, mothers, you know, um, it, there's so much more reward in that, you know, that you're not going to get coaching at the collegiate level, or the professional level. I mean, I, I got a text, you know, text message on Christmas from, a kid that I cut when he was a sophomore in high school, you know, that um, came into Orange Uther and struggling a lot. I mean, some vaping issues and some off the field decisions that weren't good. And I was told like, you don't want this kid around your program, you know, bad kid. And he came in and he played football his freshman year in the fall and the football coach at the time had problems with him. Um, and teachers had problems with him. And, you know, we met several times, met with his parents and, the kid uh, ended up not making it in baseball. He, he actually, I can't say I cut him. He decided to transfer because he wasn't going to get playing time at Orange Lutheran, mm -hmm. which was the right decision from a baseball standpoint. 
um, ends up going to a smaller school and playing a lot. Now he's playing division two baseball. You know, he's a freshman in college and he sent me a text on, on Christmas. Awesome. That's the, that's what we're in it for, right? Like the, those are the bigger things. It's nice that I can sit here and talk about, you know, the big leaguers that we have or the draft guys or the division one guys, but you know, the ones you have the most impact are, are ones that nobody outside of our program is even really going to know about. Um, and that's where the reward is. And you understand the value in what you're doing. Kid outside a program that no one knows about. That's cool. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I have, you know, I have, I could, I have several stories, but I got a kid that, uh, unfortunately, um, I didn't know this when he graduated. I heard he had gotten some trouble, but think of your team manager, the nicest kid around, um, got thrown in jail, got arrested at 18 years old for something he did when he was 16. Mm. Um, you know, with a, with another girl that was a year younger, but back then the laws, whatever, it was illegal. They arrested him at 18 years old. I don't know the whole story. Um, he reached out to me after 10 years of, of graduation. He served like six years in prison um, for, for something. And now he's on house arrest and, you know, um, very suicidal, you know? Sure. Uh, and so get calls from him, you know, and have to drive, you know, it's about, an hour and a half to where he's at. Cause he's not allowed. He's got an ankle bracelet and he's not allowed in this County. Sure. Um, so driving up to meet him or having conversations at two in the morning when he's, you know, contemplating driving off a cliff. Those are the things that, you know, um, you find the most rewarding. And, and again, you know, you don't talk about those things, right? It's not, it's not the things that we're sitting here on a podcast talking about Sure. those situations. Um, you know, but those are the ones that, I think keep bringing me back to the high school level and why I've done it at this, you know, age for so long is because you see the impact that you have on kids for, for long periods of time. Oh yeah. And I, I um, and like I've heard for like, there's no playbook for that. You know, there's nothing that you've probably gotten during when you're helping and you're learning as a young coach, like those aren't things that, you typically get trained on. <laughs> right. Yeah. You no, know. he, he calls me and it's like, you know, you try to do your best and mm -hmm. say the right things, but I have no idea. I mean, you know, and you worry that you're going to say something that's going to push them the other way, not intentionally, right. That it's going to be interpreted that way, you know? So you're like walking on, you know, mm, tightrope for sure. Tight ropes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in the end, you know, that's, that's the, like I said, it's, it's why we do it. I think that when I go to bed at night, those are the things that I think about more so than the guys playing in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the guys that you're praying for before you go to bed and you're praying for when you wake up in the morning that, you know, are the, are the bigger part of what you're doing because the kids that are great baseball players, you're only going to have so much impact on them, right? Like hitters are born and like, you can't teach 90 mile an hour arms, no matter what all these people say on social media, you can't turn anybody into a big leaguer. You just can't do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you can help, you can, you can facilitate and kind of yeah, them, you, get out their way. <laughs> you're not taking the kid that, you know, has no athletic ability and making him a big leader. I don't care how much time you spend with them. It's not, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's just funny, you know, right? Like everybody wants to put their stamp on, on everything and reinvent the wheel. And, you know, we got kids every day and part of it is adapting with the times as an older coach, you know, you got kids with their, you know, different devices, whether, you know, training mechanisms or they're like, um, 
you know, the, the medically more medically, you know, the, the K tape and, and just the different, um, stem treatment type stuff or the, you know, the cup treatment, whatever it is, like you see something different every single day as a high school coach and these guys bringing these new gadgets or doing something different to try something. And it's like, man, you think Nolan Ryan used that, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know, but again, that's the fun part about it. Right. Yeah. There, there are so many things that are always going to be outside influences on us. And you as an individual, and this is in our program, if somebody wants to use something, we don't tell them not to. Oh. They can, they, you know, especially our pitchers, whatever they want to use to, to, to train. I, I'm just a firm believer in the mind. And if you believe something's going to work for you, it's going to work for you. You know, the power of a positive mindset is, is unbelievable. And if I think that wearing dirty socks every day and not changing my socks is helping me hit, it's helping me hit. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with gadgets. So, so, so we're all there, but I think, you know, the important, again, lesson behind that, that you can use with your players is there's always going to be outside influences that think they can make you better. You really have to, you know, be disciplined in your, in your choices and, and there's choices and everything that we make and how they, those are going to affect you short-term and long-term. Absolutely. And again, in more ways than, baseball <laughs> like That's how could it. that how could that not be used outside of baseball you know You're right like, how could Everywhere. that exactly social media like that's all outside influences they're that's called it. influencers like that's what these people are, are now getting paid they are influencers and that's we it. have to be disciplined in our choices like what a great you know mo to teach young kids especially as they get you know there, these people's jobs are to be influencers. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah, <laughs> Pers- persuasive. You know, people are persuasive. I mean, shoot, we get the pop-ups on our computer when you go searching there. You know, you go looking for a, I don't know, a stereo system. You know, and all of a sudden you start getting ads everywhere for stereo systems. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff. It just it plays with your mind. It's impressive how marketers can do that. And you know, that's a that's a whole other story and a whole other podcast. But you know there's so many outside influences that, that can, can spoil you or, you know, you just got to really get to the root of everything, what it's doing for you individually. Mm, absolutely. Um, I, I think, I know we're here over now, but I just, I, you're, you're getting to the point, like you, you, you talked a little bit about like with your son coming up through this mm. um, and all the things that you're doing and you're, and you're having these conversations with, other people's sons, essentially. Um, I'd love to get into because it's a challenge of mine. My son's 11. I've got twins. Yeah. I've got 11-year-old son and daughter. Um, and the relationships we're trying to build with all of these um, other sons, uh, other daughters, you know, whatever, you know in, in our profession. Um, how, because I love how Buzz Williams put it, I want to be, I want to be famous in my own house. You know, like, yeah, I want to be famous in my own house. I love that. I love what he says that. So, like, how has that, like, how's it been a challenge for you to be a dad as well as being this relationship then coach with other sons? Yeah, uh, man, that's a, it's a great question. Uh, I think that I can speak on two spectrums. You know, I think it's been very, very easy. Well, I can't say very easy. It's been a lot easier with my son because I spend so much time with him on the field and everything. I have a daughter that, you know, lives in a world. And when you look at it through her eyes, dad is with 
her brother all of the time and doing everything with him and not as involved externally, you know, in my life. And so I think that I can, I can speak to both ends of it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely been a little bit more of a challenge to keep that relationship with my daughter. And we've had our ups and downs, you know, she's a 16 year old girl and I'm a high school baseball coach, you know, and she's just like me, like she doesn't like to lose. So we have a lot of, a lot of similarities, but that relationship piece. um, And again, it kind of goes to that whole model of, you know, not spending a lot of time with somebody where, the same values, the same trust piece is just not there that it is with somebody you spend all the time with. Right. So spending all that time with my son, he, he knows me, he knows, you know, what, what I'm trying to say to him, the, the tone of my voice, whatever it might be, he can interpret it and understand that it's, you know, trying to benefit him or, and then on the other hand, you say something and, and maybe my daughter doesn't know, you know, isn't as familiar with the verbiage that I use or how I'm, you know, and, and it's taken the wrong way. And then obviously you have the whole male female dynamic, right. Um, that's completely different in the emotions. I had two brothers been around boys my whole life, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and now I have a daughter that, Hey, let's be honest. I, you know, other than the years in a classroom, um, which I haven't taught in seven or eight years, um, you know, you don't, you don't understand, the difference is you, re- you really don't until you have your own daughter. You, you know, you get married, you have your wife, and obviously you learn a little bit, but having your own. So both ends of the spectrum. Anyway, I can go off on tangents. But, <laughs> That's all you good. know, I think that um, just like coaching, it's, it's a growth mindset. And we as parents are trying to learn how to do that, you know, and I, and I have to be much more intentional to find means to connect with my daughter. Um you know, that come naturally with my son just because we're together. Okay. You know, and then I think going to like coaching your son, you know, the big part is being able to separate and it's the hardest part, but it's the most important piece is being able to separate dad from coach, right? Like on the field between the lines, in my opinion, I'm coach. I have to be coach. It can't be anything different, right? Outside of the lines, I think it's important to have both roles. I have to be dad first, but there still has to be a coach element to it. So for example, um, you know, I try on the field between the lines to let RJ and my coaching staff coach my son. Mm -hmm. Um, I try not to really coach him much during practice because I never want to feel like I'm showing favoritism to him. I might say, um, you know, something, a verbal cue that, that I have with him with hitting or something, you know, cause I, you know, we hit together. Um, something like that, but rarely am I coaching him on the field. So the coach part off the field comes into play more where I'll sit back and analyze situations that involved him in a game or a practice, Okay, you know, um, around the dinner table, for example, like, Hey, today on this play, or, Hey, I, I saw this happen, you know, and, and we'll address those off the field. Um, but when he asks questions, I always ask him, do you want the dad answer? Or do you want the coach answer? Cause they're two different answers. And I really believe they have to be, um, you know, I think, um, as a dad, I want to be the support of, you know, um, every setback's a setup yep. uh, kind of mentality, right? Like, Hey, it's okay. We're going to move past this as a coach. Hey, this is what we need to do. So it doesn't happen again. Sure. Right. Like, so, so there's both of those. And I think that, you know, 
my son now has learned after all these years to, to kind of navigate that with me, you know, and typically he wants the coach answer all the time, okay. um, which is, which is a reason why he's become the player he is, you know, sure. He wants to get better. Yep. Yeah. He, he wants to get better. He doesn't need the pat on the butt to tell yep. him everything's going to be okay. You tell know? him I need so, you to get better. Yep. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's been amazing. I mean, uh, it's, it's really hard to think that he's going to be graduating in five months and, and this whole run is going to be over because I've been looking forward to it, you know, my whole life. And now he's in his senior year and he's going to be graduating. That's it's tough, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. And and I think that, you know, a lot of people ask, can you coach your son? I had doubts about coaching my son. Yeah. Right. Like as much as I look forward to it, I, you know, I gave him the choice not to come to orange Lutheran when he was an eighth grader. Like I said, Hey, if you don't want to play for dad and go through that, you know, I totally understand and we'll send you somewhere else. Mm-hmm. No, and uh, no, he wanted to play for me, and 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 I'm thankful for that, and and uh, it's been it's been awesome, uh, and cherish it. I mean, uh, you know, there's only so many things in life that you get to do. Um, coaching your son in the sport that you love, you know, um, at a time that's so crucial in his development is is pretty awesome. It, it really is. Yeah, I I think a big piece was that you said he wanted that, you know, where it's like, look, this is what you wanted, and understanding it, and um, I think there's such a mature thing because my son is a young guy, like, um, you know, as they become more mature and understand, like I said, that the difference between dad and coach is, 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 uh, is important. I just think those are some real things, man, that, uh, again, there's no playbook. You don't hear too many things about it. And I'm like, you know, these are things that, how is this going to, this should, this should help you be uh, even a better coach. You know what I mean? Like I, even the thing for me, like, do you want the dad answer? Or do you want the coach answer? Like, that's a huge, yeah. like, that's a huge thing. Even just because honestly, if, even within that question, you're my, you know, our sons will be able to then hopefully digest that and say like, there is a difference here. You know, like yeah. there is a difference here. Like that's even helping him educate, um, educate himself through this process. Yeah. No question. No question. Mm. Yeah. That's good. But I, yeah, and, I, and I ask him, you know, um, all the time because along the way with summer ball and you know even now like we were just asked you know to play on a collegiate summer team if he's going to play collegiate ball and they asked me to coach you know but i always ask him you know always ask him would you you know would you be open to me coaching or are you done with me or do you need something else you know um so we weaved in and out of that and again i think going back not coaching him a ton when he was younger Mm-hmm. Uh, in the dugout with younger is has opened the door for us to spend a lot more time together. And he's more open to it. Sure. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Young. Like I've tried to do little things here and there, but it's uh, as a young, cause they're not, you know, when you're even yourself, like you said, in between the lines, I got to be coach, you know? And I feel like that's, I'm very, very similar to that where it's just like, you know, we're building a team and, you know, everybody has expectations and, you know, you're just having a standard. And then it's, again, it's still youth. You have a feel for that, but it's just like, that's hard, man, when they're young and, and yeah. um, they're trying to learn all that, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, it is, is definitely a challenge. But I, I, again, I think that's a big difference now. Um, and kind of where the game is and where our game is, is a matter of 
that dads, you know, and us being a dad, whether we're, we're, we're grinding it out and trying to make time for that, or, you know, guys are coming through and they are want to be part of their dad. I mean, look at the highest level with Deion Sanders, you know, like, you know, his son's going there, you know, and, and there's just so much of it, um, you know, that is such a big part. I mean, I was even talking to guy the other day, like you think about like, um, like the Braun James and Carmelo Anthony, one of the biggest things in the news was like them going to watch their sons play. Like that wasn't a thing. Like when Michael Jordan and 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 Irving Magic, like they weren't making a big deal about going to their high kids' high school games, right? You know, like it's, I just think it's a pretty different time. Like that, that's even, a even Tiger, right? And Charlie, like, even Tiger, exactly. Like it's such a big thing. Like and it's not and it's good. Like we're glorifying and making it cool to be yeah. a dad and show up. Like. So it's good. It's I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm like, this is what's different, you know, like, so how is this not important for us to talk about and have a good plan and say, Hey, this is what worked for coach board. But like, that's great. Like that's, I'm, I just, me personally, I want to say thank you for that. Cause like, yeah. like I will certainly say to my son, uh, do you want the coach answer here? Or do you want the dad answer? I'm going to say that. And I'll probably text you a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and trust me, that's not artificially. That didn't come from me. Like yeah. I got that from somebody just like every baseball. Right. Coach, right? Exactly. I'm a big stealer too. So I'm stealing it. You know what I mean? So, and I, I'll probably do it today. We got a basketball game today and I do help with that, you know, and just, just getting him, getting prepped for all these different things and navigating him through it. And, and I am, I'm a coach to the core, you know, and I have a hard time, like, we're just at the gym, like shooting around or we're in the cage. And then like, it's, it's hard for me to, to have fun, you know, and not want to work and right. practice and drill. And like, I love that. Like, I well, just, that's the coach and that's the coach part of us, right? Like the yeah. coach part is, you know, the coach part in me wakes up in the morning and sees my son sleeping in or playing a video game. And I'm like, dude, you're wasting time. Like you should be working out. Right. So at home, the dad part is so important. And I think that I'm blessed. Don't get me wrong. I got a, a pretty special kid, um, but I have two special kids. Uh, but what I've always tried to do is be dad at home and kind of in my dad part with that, it's this is what it takes. It's up to you. I'm never going to push you, even though I know what it takes. I'm never going to wake up and say, son, let's go hit or son, let's go work out like I'm not, I'm always here for you. If you need a ride, if you need me to throw to you, if you need anything, but this has to be your desire internally mm -hmm. to, to do this. Right. Like, um, and it kills me because obviously no one can ever work hard enough to please us as a coach. Like that's the bottom line, right? Like even kids that work hard for some reason, they're missing somewhere as a coach. Oh yeah. Because always find something to get better. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Like there's always something else you can be doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, as dad, I think that the, kind of dangling that carrot in front of him rather than pushing him from behind has been huge in his development because he's pretty motivated um, to do those things. Obviously the success on the field and that kind of stuff helps with that as sure. well. So we're very lucky from that aspect. But um, as a dad, I encourage dads not to push too hard, you know, that you have dads out there that, are making them do this. And, you know, I have, I have dads all the time that come in and say, my son's going to be 175 and throwing 90 by the time he's 16. And it's like, you can't control that. Right. It's, it's an uncontrollable outcome. Um, control the things that you can control. So as a dad, you know, it's really important to control those things. And I, you know, I, I want to have more of an influence on his mind than his physical, you know, than his physical tools or his physical gifts. Like if he's thinking the right way and thinking that works, 
got to take place and he's got to do this X, Y, and Z to get, you know, the outcome he wants, then, then how do I get him to believe in that? Cause that's when he's going to, again, it's, it goes back to what we started this whole conversation with is plan for a bigger cause, right? Like it's bigger than just, Hey, I'm going to potentially make the major leagues or I'm going to get a scholarship. Like, Oh it's yeah. Bigger than that. You're, you're creating habits for life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm rambling on. Sorry about that, buddy. No, that's great. No, that's what it's what it's about. That, that's what's you know that's what this is about, man. Just we're going where I can and having the best conversation we can. So it's just that's why I appreciate you and I appreciate you just just going where your kind of heart goes and just uh you know being real. You know, I think that's what people just can really see feel too, like and the outcomes are there you know because yeah. the process well, and like you said i think it, it struck me well like your son like yeah he's had success but he's also realizing like this process working like it's this process is working so focus on those day-to-day -day, those good habits right and and i think you know one of the things that's kind of helped me to be successful that i've learned is you know really really and i people say it all the time but being a sponge and understanding like that there's a lot of people around you that that want to help and support you, but there's a lot of people that don't even know they're helping and supporting you that you can take advantage of. You know, the relationships we have, um, the people we surround ourselves or choose to surround ourselves with are so vital to our development. Um, you know, I always say, and I, I actually learned this, shoot, I went to a leadership conference in Atlanta in probably 2013. Um, and, and there were several really good speakers there, but, um, you know, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room kind of mm -hmm. a thing. And, and I, again, use that through everything too. Right. So I'm part of the Necton group. I know you've heard of the Necton group of coaches, but just listening to, you know, the Jeremy Sheetinger and Chuck Box and, you know, Steve Dittman, Butch Chaffin, like, you know, the guys that have been there, I can go on Adam Mosley, you know, like just taking what they say and learning a little bit about it has helped me to become the coach and the person that I am, but even the father that I am, you know? So again, it goes back to the growth mindset, but being around people that, that have such an impact um, that, that are going to help you to become a better person, a better coach, a better father, um, and really have an open ears. Uh, but there's so much in that, right? And, and we're not going to learn everything from one person, but we can learn one thing from everyone. And I think that that's an important piece, especially for a young coach to understand, you know, we can always learn something from somebody and it might be learning what not to do. Absolutely. It's still learning. Absolutely. I was just talking about that. Me and my wife were just talking about that, you know, like even just growing up within your family. Like, and I have this conversation with kids all the time, you know, and so sometimes that, that small circle is some family members, you know, and then, not always making the best of choices, you know, like you have right. to understand, have an awareness of the kind of impact and things that be, but, but like there are things and hopefully even if within your family or within the people, like that's not what I want to do. Like, I don't want to live like that or I don't want to act like that. And I want, you know, so like, absolutely, you know, you don't want to, you, you can definitely learn, but you have to be open. You have to be open to that, you know, to. and I don't, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't know why. You know, because my wife has said so, you know, of course, you know, a bunch of family coming over and she just, it, it will, this conversation that come through all that with, with family. And it's just, and it's just like, and I don't know why I was, uh, 
was sometimes programmed that way, you know, or I don't know why. I don't know why. I just kind of had that mentality of just the self-reflective and being aware, like fortunate, um, you know, but like you wonder how we could, what kind of environments we could put people in to, to be more like that. And I think with your devotionals and the, and the things that you have that those inner dialogue conversations and, and things like that will help people. Hopefully what I'm, you know, be more self-reflective and aware. Right. Well, it's, it's educating our youth, right? Like that's, yeah. that's what it is and that's how it's going to build. And that's why we do things like this. And, you know, the, the podcast is amazing and educating coaches and, and, you know, I think that we're in a, we're in a generation, right. Where we've lost some of that. You have yeah. a lot more broken homes. There's, there's not as much teaching going on at the, at the younger ages. And, and by teaching, I'm not talking about in the classroom. I'm talking about at home, right. There's so much more negative or, or, uh, you know, there's so much more influence from things that when I was young were frowned upon, you know, um, that, you know, on TV, I mean, the sex, drugs, and alcohol, we didn't see that when we were younger, you know what I mean? Sure. But it's most of these kids at a young age and, uh, you know, times have just changed. So we have to adapt with that. It's not, you know, we can't look at it as times are different and, you know, we have to learn how are we going to educate our youth and prepare them mm -hmm. to be better people. So, yeah, couldn't agree more there. Yeah, man. So I know where, here we are, Aaron, have, I just want to, you know, again, just, just, just thank you. Um, thank you for a great conversation. Thank you for just being open and just a, a great thing. I, I just want to kind of just wrap anything up. Is there anything that we haven't maybe touched on that you want to kind of dive into before we get rolling? Um, you know, but again, I just want to thank you, but if there's anything else, anything lasting, uh, yeah, no, I, I think we've hit a lot of different things. Yeah. You guys yeah. have heard me talk enough. So, <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate you. I mean, uh, you know, this, this podcast is pretty special. You've had some great guys on there and, and, you know, turn them on all the time. Um, and it's, you know, I'm not a music guy, so I don't turn on the radio very often. I turn on podcasts, yeah. you know, so thank you for what you're doing. And, and, you know, thank you to all the coaches you've had on before that I've taken a little piece from. Just love the conversation from coach Eric Corba. Uh, Borbs is just uh, an incredible person and uh, really fortunate to be able to have a conversation with him. And I loved his message just above the relationships. Loved his um, purposeful, purposeful ways of incorporating and, and creating an environment of the brotherhood uh, and just showing how important it is to not only have those conversations with you know, our best players, but also the players who really need us and really need that. And I love his way of talking about, like, what coaching is about. It's about those players that no one outside our program would know, but we know them. And, and that's what that's what it's really about. And you can see that those are um, really, really admirable things and, and understanding that. Um, and loved our time talking about being, being a dad and how he's able to separate those two things between dad and coach. And knowing that he does need a coach, you do need a coach, and at the same time, uh, but you need to be a dad uh, and be able to separate those two things and talked about his struggles and his challenges of also you know, the relationship with his daughter um, and being more intentional about those things and and uh, um, just just being such a real genuine person. I just loved our conversation. It was really awesome. Uh, we could have talked a lot longer. Um, 
and I'm sure we will in the future. And uh, I just can't wait wait for that. Uh, just really enjoyed it. Um, another thing that really sticks out to me is just the just the retreats. You know, the the ranches. Those are things that you don't have to do. Um, and there wasn't one thing of baseball that were talked or about during those. There's just specific times, and you can see like you dive into like just the the schedule of that, and and uh, it's about understanding that person diving in, diving in a little deeper to that person, and get them outside of what they're performing, and we get to know who they are. And so those, um, you know, to hear a guy uh, performing at his level. And like I said, he just had a first rounder this year, and those are the things that that guy went through. Uh, let alone the guy that's probably not going to play college baseball. Um, it's it's a it's it's pretty awesome to do at that level, and uh, how we can try to get our guys, uh, our, our teams to perform at a high level and have that brotherhood, have that trust that he said that he's building. You know, he's trying to create that trust through these different activities and and the specific things he's doing to help create trust which is a little load allows us to grow and play at our best and perform so um coach Borbs can't thank you enough many pros guys thank you for the sponsor and none of this is already possible and it's what this what's about is just to continue with you guys that were able to listen um and learn and take hopefully something that is going to help us get better so until next time keep getting better